Today's episode is sponsored by SysPro. I'm going to interrupt this episode a little bit later to tell you all about them. Instead of just focusing on the daily, just the grind, the grind, the grind, the grind of the business, what I've learned most is if you don't have problems, you're not going to be in business very long. And so cherish the issues, cherish the problems, and know you're going to come out stronger on the other side. And that mindset transformation has really allowed me to have better relationships outside of work, friends, family, and to not wake up with the mindset of I have a burden in front of me, but I have opportunity and I have great problems to solve in front of me. That's Matt Durrett, CEO and owner of Cozy Vacation Rentals, which he founded with his wife, Jenna, eight years ago. Starting out with just one home and a focus on comfy upscale accommodations with exceptional human interactions, Matt's company now has 270 properties. But as his business grew, Matt faced tension within his own internal company, Human Connections. In the very beginning of 2021, we had so much growth. We had so many people. And we had certain processes, certain procedures, certain frameworks over here. But we had the entire company was so siloed. There was no transparency. There was no way of instilling accountability across the organization. There was no way to get everyone on the same page. We didn't have a true way of operating. We didn't have a leadership team. We had so many folks in so many different roles that we were just playing whack-a-mole across the entire company. Everything we were doing was so reactive, and we weren't pulling any levers anywhere. And... At a vacational conference and through a bunch of my mentors, I started learning what EOS was. I started meeting all these other company owners, vacational company owners, other tech companies, the vacational space that were running off of EOS. And I started learning more, you know, because the first time I heard it, even from the book, like, what the heck is EOS, right? Like, what is this thing? And so when someone's trying to describe like what EOS is, you know, it's not a software, it's not a software package, it's not something that's in your tech stack. And then you got to go hire this consultant sometimes, and then you do these things. I was kind of on about a six-month journey on really fact-finding on what is this and interviewing so many companies to really figure out, is this successful? This is We Run on EOS, and I'm your host, Pam Kosenke. In this show, we look at game-changing moments in business through the eyes of the entrepreneurs and the EOS implementers who have lived them. The story in today's episode will land with any business owner who struggled with having the wrong people in the right seats. We were put in touch with a great implementer out of Dallas whose name is Amy Johansson. And in October of 2021, we began that initial conversations with Amy. And we were then left with that, you know, after that first fact-finding meeting, Amy, learning about her, learning about the U.S. processes, learning that roadmap that we're going to go down over the next two years, really trying to determine at that time, do we want to make an investment into something that is really... It's really it has all these tangible benefits for the business, but it's intangible where you can't actually see it, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't really interact with it. And I think that is the biggest struggle for business owners trying to go down that path is, should I self-implement or should I bring in that outsider? And do I want to invest the money and time into bringing in that consultant and implementer? And over the course of another month, we you know, thought on it, really looked at every angle and just said, you know, if we don't do this and we try to self-implement, I think we're going to make the biggest mistake because we're our own worst enemy. You know, we don't have a leadership team. We have our CTO, you know, myself, we're the two co-owners, along with my wife, Jenna. And 
I know that we can talk ourselves into some of the worst ideas for business owners without actually being, you know, having that constructive criticism from outside. So we ultimately chose to make that huge investment and bring in an implementer from the outside and let's set this up right. And let's actually get a true operating system so that we can breathe. I stopped working 80 hour weeks up until 80 years. I was working 80 hour weeks. No, I mean, for you know, just putting friend relationships aside, really only being there for my family only. And it was work, family, sleep. And it was like that for 60 years. It's that classic story of an entrepreneur literally running themselves into the ground. A new operating system and a guide to help implement that system are huge game-changing moves early on in this transformation. For companies that are so people-centric, moving people into the right leadership roles, or frankly, out of the wrong seats, can be an overwhelming step for entrepreneurs. We had a COO that we had hired a few months prior, really working with our consultant to set up the leadership team, right? Who is going to be on your leadership team? Who are going to be those core folks? And bringing in you know, the high performers that are truly leading those departments, the direct level roles, the VP levels, and truly setting up an initial leadership team. And what we found out in the very beginning is, whoa, our leadership team is way too big, number one. Mm. How many people did you have? We started, I believe, with 10 people. In <laughs> well, unruly, huh? Yeah. And we immediately knew going into that first quarterly, it was just phenomenal, the different perspectives and truly learning all the struggles that people are having in their departments, what they can or can't get done. The constructive dialogue and arguing of like, hey, your department is literally causing me all of these headaches in my department and just the constructive dialogue back and forth and in an open setting where, hey, you can argue, you can say the things that you want to say without being judged or anything like, hey, what are the true roadblocks? You know, into that first quarterly, I learned so much about not only those 10 people, but wow, we have some severe issues that we need to conquer together and that we need processes, structure, and to bring everyone on that same page. And the fact too, with me going to that first quarterly, it's like, I have got to learn to delegate and elevate and I cannot continue to not only allow people to continue not being successful where I'm doing their job for them, but also I need to delegate down and truly trust and grow leaders in our company, which we weren't doing either. We were not growing leaders. So you have these 10 people in the room, this pot is boiling and a lot of issues are brewing. And so kind of take me through then that, that process of saying, how do we find the right structure? And what are the big type of moves to make from a people standpoint that starts to set you free a bit? The big thing is setting up, we redid from the very beginning, right? We redid everything, not only from the leadership team that I just mentioned, but what do we, where do we want to be as a company in one year, right? Being able to all be in the same, hey, this is where we're going. What do we want to do as that three-year plan? What do we want to do as that five-year plan? We reset all of our company values, we set all of our mission statement, what our niche is. We redid all of that. And I never realized how critical company values, the culture, the niche, all those different things are for the company. So we redid everything. And we got the not only the opinions for everybody, but how much the values actually come from truly me and those experiences that I've been in, how I really drive that down the organization. That was the big thing of 
you know, some aha moments where it's, we haven't revisited these strategies in four or five years. So did you have values, Matt? And maybe they were assumed values. Maybe they weren't quite named, but you had values. Take me through that kind of change of, we thought we had some values. We were operating in some version of values, but when you crystallize them, what happened for you? When we crystallized them and really heard not only from the team, but discussed them, debated them, really went through those to reset those up because we had all those initial values, but we weren't, we, and we fought and the company was following those every day, but we weren't religiously visiting them, talking, living and breathing and talking and yeah. Correct. Hey, it's great that they're on our website (laughs) and people can view and the majority of people in our company inhibit those values, but it really wasn't instilled into the culture. And that going through that journey initially was, I've got to focus on our people and our culture as the visionary and really drill that culture down into the organization and make this an amazing place to work. That was one of the big things there. Clearly, the structure is based on some of the vision that you have one year, three year, 10 year. And it sounds like there was an integrator change, Matt. Talk to me about that moment in time, because that's your number two visionary integrator, right? We talk about that dynamic power duo. What was that like? What was that process? Tell me the aha moments around that. What we realized, and the more that we talked, went on with other companies, but just because someone's great on your EOS leadership team in year one, year two, they may not be able to be there year three, year four. Why is that? Talk a little bit about that. Your company is going to grow leaps and bounds on an EOS, the way that you start measuring your metrics, your KPIs. But certain people, hey, they're going to be great for your company to get you from point A to B. But when you have C, D, and E in the next few years, they may not be a good fit for your company. And that's the true reality and the beauty behind all of this where, you know, hey, we did have initial integrator for a year and then we changed course. But the beauty of US is you're measuring or you're tracking everything every week, right? All of your data, your leadership meeting is every single week. You only miss it if you're on vacation or you're dead. That's the rules, right? And we were tracking data metrics, but we would measure those monthly. Oh, hey, that's great. We hit these numbers and these are all the things that we track. But measuring it over a quarter and really seeing those trends up and down and seeing us hit our goals and not hit our goals. You know, after we had that first EOS meeting, we came to the next quarterly and we only hit 20% of what we said we were going to do as a company. The next meeting we go to, we only hit 40% of what we said we were going to do. The next meeting we went to, again, we only hit 40%. So three meetings in a row, we're not getting traction and we never hit 80%. How did that make you feel, Matt? I mean, you're the founder of a company. You're busting your butt. You're trying to take all these people with you. You invested in this new operating system. What does that make you feel like when you're saying, God, I cannot, you know, like this feeling of what? Stuckness, uh, my senses. But That you're stuck. How are we not? We're making all these leaps and bounds and we're moving forward and growing as a company. But how are we not achieving the core things that we said and the rocks, right? The goals that we all agreed to that we were going to hit in the next quarter. How are we not hitting those goals? How are they not being measured? And how are the folks who have agreed to those rocks not being held accountable for achieving what they said that they were going to do? And we really were just in a pattern of just being stuck. I mean, it's not a good feeling to have. And it's not a good feeling to have where... It's someone that you thought and believed that could really achieve and get us to that next step. But, you know, failure is not the wrong word. It's right people, right seats. 
And it's truly driving that accountability. And we just noticed that that was not getting done. Yeah. So you had to make a hard choice. Yeah, we had to make a very, very hard choice. When you find something isn't working, finding the right partner can open you up to the potential you couldn't even have imagined before. Even though Matt understood what a visionary integrator relationship should have been, he faced a new challenge with his new integrator, redefining his role as visionary. The new way that we've had it set up, and so Scott Heyman, he is our CTO. He's a co-owner of the company. He is a very analytical, software-minded, process-driven, engineering-type individual. He never had worked full-time for us. He would be working as kind of a part-time you know, part owner, setting up all our technology in the background. And we had a talk after we made a switch on the integrator role of him coming on. Hey, let's get you on full time. Let's start driving this home. And he's a very process driven, logical thinker. And, and how does that balance with you, Matt? Like, so process, analytical driven, metric accountability. How does that match with your style? With my style, I'm truly that visionary role you know, the big ideas. I know that the big process framework, roadmap, things like that, track, 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 the day-to-day operations is truly, if I go in and die, I mean, I've, and I've watched, I've gone in and just dive bombed a department and what they've had set up because I had this whole other die idea, but it's a, wait a second, like they had a whole process they're following here. I just ruined it. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, the, the yes. swoop and poop, we call that the swoop and poop from the yeah. missionary seagull flying above, right? Guilty as charged. And Scott, you know, not only have we been business partners for five years and we've been best friends since sixth grade. And we balance each other so well that this has been, for him in that integrator seat, it's been phenomenal. And the way he balances me and the way that I balance him, it has been a great visionary integrator role. And the team has loved it. And ever since he stepped into that role six months ago, we've been over 80% every single time. And the entire team was motivated. And I think the biggest thing that I was scared of is, I'm still very young. I'm 33 years old. A lot of this is always new for me, right? A lot of these things and these challenges and experiences I haven't gone through before. And so being what I've learned most is I need to stop operating from a decision of fear and be operating from a decision and from a position of strength where we need to have trust in organization. And when that change was done, our culture just went through the roof. People just, they were struggling. They weren't happy as well. And now that has completely changed. You're setting them free. And in fact, it sounds like the delegate and elevate tool and concept and mindset really helped you create some of that freedom. And even if I could quote you, this kind of freedom to fail. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you. Why is that so powerful? How does that set everybody free? Yeah. And for me, this is one of the biggest principles I drive down into everyone. So we have a company all hands every month. And I start off each and every single meeting with what failing means. And failing means for me and our team first attempt in learning. And I really want to instill not only in our leaders and our leadership team and for them to drill down is if all of us do not delegate and elevate and give someone the opportunity to fail, they will never learn. And now failing the same thing three times in a row that you've, hey, you got to learn from this. That's one thing. But if we do not give people the freedom to fail and to make mistakes, how are they going to learn? Because failing is not fun, right? It's You're going to lose sleep over it, but you're going to learn how to do it better. You're going to learn how to evolve from it, and you're going to be stronger, and so is your organization. 
And so is that actual person growing in your company. They're going to know though, hey, it's okay to make a mistake and it's okay to fail. And because they took action to make that decision. And that's where we want people to take action. Don't sit there and be indecisive. Take that action. And we are going to learn from that failure. And we want to encourage that. And it's made our organization 10 times stronger and it makes people stronger. That dedication to action and that fearlessness around failure has to start at the top. So when Matt first reached out, um, he had learned about EOS at an industry-related conference for his industry and kind of heard everyone's doing it, or at least the good ones are. So I need to learn more about this. <laughs> and so we had a conversation, but it took us forever to even get a 90-minute meeting on the calendar because that's how busy they were, you know, very busy, but not so productive, probably. So finally got that 90-minute meeting and he was ready to schedule out the whole year, you know, because he knew that this was something that his industry needed or his organization needed. And I could tell that Matt, I could tell right early on, he's looking to grow something. He's looking to make an impact, not just grow a business to sell it and grow another business to sell it. He's looking to change the industry. He's looking to make an impact. He's looking to do it right. And so he was really passionate about that. And we hit the ground running. That's Amy Johannesson, Matt's EOS implementer, breaking down just how chaotic those first few steps of restructuring your business can be. It was a lot of whack-a-mole up front. I told him early on, I was like, okay, so you're playing whack-a-mole management because even truly every session that we had, bringing in new people, switching seats on the leadership team. I mean, it was just kind of all of that, throw it up against the wall and see what sticks kind of situation for the first year. (laughs) And he finally caught his stride. And I think that he finally feels the ability to not feel like he has to play whack-a-mole, to not feel so panicked all the time, you know, what might pop up next so that he can step into that mature leadership role that he had in him. He wanted that for his organization. They were just missing it on the execution piece. And now they're finally getting there on the execution piece so that he can involve himself in other industry-related activities and organizations and learn more about how to better his business. Having a virtual assistant who is trained on EOS can help you get unstuck as a visionary or an integrator. As the EOS preferred assistant service provider, AssistPro can help you with a right fit assistant, matching your personality and communication style. Get the $25 an hour work off your plate and give it to an assistant who truly understands EOS. Visit assistpro.com and learn how their right fit assistance can be the right move for you. So that first session, was it a sense that he was ready to run so fast and furious, but he was out of control or something? Or was it that he just needed time for all of the stuff to settle in? He has never given the out of control vibe. He has always had this, even like the strong silent type there in the room with his leadership team. He was observing the dynamics. I think that probably beneath the surface, he was paddling as fast as he could, you know, but on the surface and what his team saw was that very strong, maybe even a little stoic kind of leadership. And he was taking it all in and letting the team figure it out. 
And he was probably figuring it out too. You know, it's a lot all up front, but he was watching and letting them learn and letting them even fail in some cases when they needed to. And then he would rein it back in and kind of be the voice of reason like, okay, guys, we're not going to do that because, you know, when he needed to, but he really, really let them, like I said, learn it and fail when they needed to. I mean, clearly you're not designing something to fail, but there's this permission to do that because he appreciates people stretching and growing and taking risks and thinking for themselves. So talk a little bit about how impactful that concept has been, how that shows up in the business and in sessions. I think it's been extremely impactful in his organization. You know, like I said, we've even had leaders switch seats. (laughs) So invited someone into the leadership team to fill this role. And by the next session, He had moved him to a different role or not. He had moved. The team had decided, you know, they switched seats. And so I think he really believes strongly and passionately in his people. I mean, he's a people person, even that strong, silent type on the outside. I mean, he certainly, you know, cares and he's probably more sensitive than he lets on. He's a people person and people first mentality for sure. And honestly, in my opinion, to his detriment there in the beginning, because he had a trusted leader, his integrator, his number two, the person who had been running operations, you know, day in and day out while he was out doing owner things. And that was a very difficult learning experience for him and his team because it was the wrong person in the right seat. She wasn't the right fit and probably cost him some relationships, cost him a little bit of culture because um, she was leading the team in a way that was in opposition to him. It feels like a game-changing decision. He decided to fire the integrator the day before the quarterly session, in fact. What was it like working through that issue? Take us through that moment. Sure. So he and I had spoken on the phone several times leading up to that. And it wasn't necessarily about firing her. It was about other things. But, you know, there's always the issue beneath the issue. And so my job is to ask the questions, to point him back to the tools, to hold up the mirror, all of the things that I can do to lead him through this thinking, because it had to be his decision. It had to be what was right for the organization. And and I started to see some things early on. But again, I don't work in that company every day. I don't interact with those people every day. What we see as implementers in the session room sometimes might be a warning that I'm going to ask questions and maybe challenge and dig deeper into, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. All I can do is point you back to the tools and ask you these questions and lead you on this journey. And so he had to get there himself and he did. And we finally had a very frank conversation. And it was literally like the week between Christmas and New Year's. It was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And he was going to have a conversation with her. This was like on Monday and our session was Thursday. This conversation was going to happen Wednesday. And he said, I don't know if she'll be at the meeting on Thursday. It depends on how our conversation goes. And I stopped him and I said, I need to ask you a very important question. Why is her employment with this organization up to her and not up to you? And it was silence. And I said, I hope you'll get to the point where you can make a decision from a position of strength rather than a position of fear. And she was not there at our session on Thursday. And he let me know Wednesday night. And he said, that was the comment. That was the moment that changed his thinking, you know, changed the game for him. And it was a tough session. I mean, this had just happened the day before. Emotions were raw. People, some of them felt blindsided. Some of them took it very personally because they were very close to her. She had become that wedge between him and his company all by design for her. And it was 
very, very uncomfortable. And it turned into like a two hour, we got to sort through this. And it was such a great day. At the end of the day, it was the best decision and best session this team had ever had. They still checked out a little unsure of the future because this was still so real and so raw, but it was the best session that they had had. And I'm telling you, the quarterly after that, they were firing on all cylinders. They were like a new family. They had this new, exciting enthusiasm for this company, and they were the closest I'd ever seen them. So it was really, like you said, a game-changing decision that rocked their world, but he kept every one of those leaders. He retained every leader and he showed them who he was. He had moved back to town closer to, you know, the home operations. He was in the office every day, showing them who he was, pouring into his people, doing the right thing, leading them through this very, very big change. And he built trust like you wouldn't believe. While the business is transforming, so is the visionary. Amy helped channel Matt's evolution, drive, and personal growth back into the company in really important ways. Who is he now? He's leading from the front. He was observing and leading and providing guidance probably in a number of different ways. You know, as visionaries sometimes do, they're going to lead a little bit in sales and a little bit over here. And when the ops people need help, and he was kind of jumping into a few different things. And now it's very clear what his role is. And it's he's gotten clarity on the accountability chart with his leadership team, what everyone else's roles are. And he's leading from the front. My husband is former military and he always tells me true leaders lead from the front. And I think that Matt moved into that. He became that true leader that said, I've got this, I can do this, follow me. And he's got the tools and the team now to do it. And it's at this moment that Matt develops a new measurement for success in his company. For a while, I knew when I first started going down this path as an entrepreneur, I knew what my why was. It was a very, very exciting time for me. Things were so successful. And then about three to four years into it, it almost felt like owning your own business was such a burden. You know, it felt just like all these bricks on your shoulders, right? Where, hey, here's a, I, ha- I can't get these bricks off because they're just 50 more every day after I get two off. And it was like that for me for about two and a half years. And what I realized was that we weren't running a company based on people or values or principles. We were running a company that was in a property management space, vacation management space, where we always would do the right thing for our customers and owners, but we weren't living and breathing and focusing on this being a great place to work. All we were focusing on was guests and owners, and I was never focusing on our people. And when I'm working 80 hours a week, and I had that expectation for everyone else, that is not fair. And that is my problem. That's my mistake. And when I'm running a culture like that, this is not going to be a great place to work. When you expect everyone to work at your same high level during a given, because I can just drive, drive, drive. And that is not a fair expectation. That's not how you run a company. It's not healthy. When I went to an offsite in Nashville, Tennessee, this was August of 2022. And it was run, a vacational offsite ran by Matt Landau who owns a company called VRMB, but then Steve Schwab of Costco. They both become not only great friends, but great mentors of mine. I think I've cried more in three days on that retreat because they really challenged all of us to figure out 
what are we doing and why are we doing this? And I hadn't stopped in probably six years to ask myself why. Like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I, you know, running a company? Why am I being an entrepreneur? Why do I love this? What motivates me the most and my true why is people and leading and training and giving back. And it gave me a whole brand new sense of accomplishment and tying it truly back to US was I do all of this for people and for our team and our company is the true why of why I do this in addition to my family and truly focusing on that and watching people get empowered every day, watching people just go put the first mortgage on their house or go get a first mortgage and buy their first home, watching people go buy their first vehicle, watching people. I mean, I had someone come to me yesterday and say, Matt, I just want to say thank you. You know, working for you, I've been able to save $40,000 and I've never been able to do that before. I'd like to just talk with you personally on how I should invest this 40000 and I want to learn from you on how to invest into real estate so I can make the same. Like that was it just having those rewarding moments is just unbelievable. That was an aha moment for me. We all have those moments of clarity and rededication as visionaries and integrators. But how do we pass this on to our team members? One way Matt and his team decided to do this was to bring focus on how individual employees impact the whole company. Each and every person in our company, regardless of your role, and we have about half people here on the ground, and then we have about half of our team remotely. But the way our companies, everyone is so engaged. Everyone's constantly working with different departments and the different processes. We're all linked in a chain to ensure that owners are happy, guests are happy. So each and every week, a team member gets to vote for another team member. And it talks about what behavior or action did someone do in the company that you want to recognize them for. And it's our team member of the month voting. And so what happens is you vote for, hey, this person did that behavior or they did this action that was amazing. And it could be anything, right? It doesn't have to be this grand thing that someone did, but even seeing an act of kindness or doing something for our customer that, hey, they might even be related to, but you saw it in one of our group channels via Slack. You can vote for that person. And then you have to tie that behavior action back to one of our company values. And so that person gets to say, hey, you know, Stephanie did a phenomenal job, you know, talking to that owner and solved that problem. The company value she inhibited was accountability. And then you sign off on your name. That's who I'm voting for. And whoever gets the most votes every month gets a $200 bonus or a day off. And then at the end of the quarter, everyone gets to have a quarterly drawing like a lottery. And if you're drawn, you get a thousand dollars bonus, whoever is drawn. But if you're voted for the most, you have a better chance of getting drawn because it's a, you know, through. That's right. So it really incentivized this person. One, her name's Brandy Martinez, and she's one of our cleaning supervisors. Instead of going to take a day off, which she could have done for herself personally, instead of taking her $250 and spending it on her family, something that she might need, something fun for herself, she took the $250, went and bought all the pinatas and candy for our Cinco de Mayo company party. And it was, she put in not only another $50 of her personal money, so she spent $300 in all of that for the company for that event. Yeah, wow. I mean, you, yeah, you literally can't buy that. That is a created culture, certainly from the very core heart of the heartbeat of the company. So phenomenal. Wow. 
Talk to me a little bit about actually your other relationships in your life and how this experience of realizing your why and focusing on people has maybe benefited or stretched to other areas of your life. Instead of just focusing on the daily, just the grind, the grind, the grind, the grind of the business, what I've learned most is if you don't have problems, you're not going to be in business very long. And so cherish the issues, cherish the problems, and know you're going to come out stronger on the other side. And to know that there, I have zero control up to a certain extent that certain chaoses are going to happen and issues are going to happen, but you have to have the right process procedures and to handle them. But the big thing for me has been a mindset transformation. And that mindset transformation has you know, allowed me to work that 40 or 50 hour a week, really get back to relationships and some great friends that I haven't talked to with for years and truly, you know, work to focus on our family and what that means. My wife, not only is a co-owner and a best friend, we have a 16 month year old and that's changed my life as well and doing it for us and our family and all of our people. So it's truly allowed me to breathe and to have a new sense of accomplishment and not being prideful, but being proud of what we're leading and what we're giving back into that community and ensuring that's our mission is our people. And it's really allowed me to have better relationships outside of work, friends, family, and to not wake up with the mindset of I have a burden in front of me, but I have opportunity and I have great problems to solve in front of me. Growth at this level requires breaking out of self-imposed limitations. It means facing this paralyzing fear of not having all the answers. It's about shifting your own mindset first before you can apply new ways of thinking to your business. I think when I hit a ceiling, every time what I've realized is, wait a second, I'm not challenged. But I'm actually, when I've hit the ceiling where the ceiling might be struggling or it's, hey, like, why am I hitting this thing? What I've always found is I'm not challenged. And how do I continue to grow myself and to grow the company? And I've had so many, what I call aha moments. And you said a word earlier, journey. And what I've realized is a journey is a collective time frame that my journey is not ended and it will not end anytime soon of people, relationships, engagement activities, challenging yourself, whether it's through going to certifications, MBA courses, talking to mentors, going to conferences, getting in mastermind groups, anything that can grow you as a person is what I found has taken me over that ceiling. But the big thing for me is in our industry, and I know in today's society, you can find so much negativity, but 99.9% of people are great and they're good and they want to help someone and they want to transfer that knowledge. And for me, one of the most recent ceilings that I actually just hit was I've had so many amazing mentors in the vacation rental space. I mean, phenomenal people, you know, company owners that manage six, 12, 20,000 units. And the big thing that I realized, and this is actually thanks to Amy Johansson, was that, man, I really do know almost everything there is to know about vacation rentals. Every software, every system. I know the ins and outs of pretty much everything there is to know to run a vacation rental management company. What I don't know and what a ceiling that I'm up against and what I was up against was how can I learn from other industries? Because I'm on all these mastermind groups of vacational owners, but we're talking about the same challenges, 
week after week of the vacational companies. And I'm sitting here thinking like, wait a second, I've already solved all of these challenges. And every week I kept getting on. I always give back to the people to help them solve the challenges that we've already conquered. But what I noticed was, wait a second, I don't have the experience on managing and running people that I need. I need to figure out, I have so many operational challenges that are across so many different businesses. And one of the best things I just did is I joined a Vistage CEO group and I have a CEO coach now. And I'm learning so much about all these problems are actually universal that every company faces they get to a certain level. And I'm finally feeling like I'm punching through the ceiling to the next step because I'm learning about running any type of company because the same principles truly can apply across. And I'm getting so much insight from people who have already solved what I am now trying to solve. And it's that people and it's that growth challenge of truly having to going from a small company to a medium-sized business. The challenges entrepreneurs face never stop. And neither do we. We Run on EOS is available on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us so you don't miss an episode. You can learn more about all things EOS at eosworldwide.com. I'm your host, Pam Pasenki, and thanks for listening. Visionary looking to take your organization to the next level? New in 2024, the Visionary Masterclass was designed to help you lead your team under a common vision, manage your energy more effectively, and further your knowledge of a mastery level visionary integrator dynamic duo relationship. Visit rocketfueluniversity.com to learn more.